This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 40 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour, the best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Welcome to our show here from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm here every week as we talk about the psychological, emotional side of sports. I've been in practice as a sports psychologist in my 40th year, my 30th year of radio, on radio here in the Kansas City area. Our shows are rebroadcast throughout the country in a number of cities and podcasted everywhere. Here are the podcast on Apple iTunes and my website, winnerslimited.com, here at Sports Radio 10 WHB. They're all over the place. And one of the few sports psychology shows around. And, you know, I do this show every week for a lot of reasons, mostly because I enjoy working with people, helping people out, discussing attitude, sportsmanship, coaching, uh, having fun, enjoying the experience, all these types of things. But you know, in the world of sports, there are a lot of problems. And this week exemplified that maybe as much as any. If you haven't been living in a black hole somewhere and you're into sports, you know about the crisis that's existed in USA Gymnastics the last couple of years with the sexual abuse by Dr. Larry Nasser, who is put away, hopefully for life, for the abuse he did to all these young girls who are gymnasts. And this week, ex-USA Gymnastics coach John Getter killed himself, committed suicide, after 24 felony charges were charged against him, including human trafficking, sexual assault. I want to play the story about this right now. In 2012, John Geddert was at the pinnacle of his profession, the head coach of the U.S. women's gold medal gymnastics team at the London Olympics. Today, according to authorities, the 63-year-old Geddert took his own life just hours after being charged with 24 heinous felonies. 20 counts of human trafficking, one count of racketeering, one count of lying to a peace officer, and two counts of sexual assault of a minor under the age of 16. The victims suffer from uh, disordered eating, including bulimia and anorexia, suicide attempts and self-harm, excessive physical conditioning, repeatedly being forced to perform even when injured, extreme emotional abuse, and physical abuse, including sexual assault. Sources close to the investigation told ESPN today they are stunned by the severity of the charges against Geddert, especially the sexual assault of a minor under 16, 
and the pattern of forced servitude, fraud, and coercion, which the Attorney General says meets the legal standard of human trafficking. We hope that these charges will bring some measure of uh, justice to some of the harm that was inflicted, and um, we feel confident in the allegations that we've made. Getter had been considered one of disgraced Dr. Larry Nasser's chief enablers. Many of Nasser's sexual assaults of young gymnasts are alleged to have occurred in a training room in Getter's Twist Stars Gymnastics Club in Michigan. And today, for the first time, a law enforcement agency said Gettert knew about Nasser's sexual assaults and lied about it during a 2016 interview. I'm Mark Schwartz, ESPN. Okay. This is sickness. Pure sickness. Now, here's the deal. There are a lot of coaches out there who are wonderful men and women whose goal is to help kids train kids, develop kids at all levels. I've been around hundreds of them. At the same time, there are a lot of sick people out there coaching kids. And I've had to deal with that as well. From my personal experience, years ago, talked about it on this show, I was the team psychologist for the Kansas City Blazers swim team here in Kansas City. For 27 years, I worked the organization under head coach Pete Malone, one of the best people I've ever known. A great coach, great great person. We had an assistant coach who was my son's coach. His name was Craig Ivancic. Everybody loved Craig. He was thoroughly vetted when he was hired by the team. He was being groomed to take over the organization. And then all of a sudden, boom. One of the young women on the team he attempted to have sex with. She, who, quite frankly, had more kahunas than most men I know, told her parents what was going on because he sent her an email, a very sexually provocative email. Her parents called the police because she lived in Missouri, he lived in Kansas. The FBI set up a sting sting situation, operation, sorry. (laughs) It's early in the morning here. And they caught him. He went to jail for years. I know he is out now. I don't know where he is, but he is now out. And it was revealed throughout this that he'd had sex with, they actually had sex with a young girl on the team. He was my son's coach. There were no signs of this to anyone who knew him. He was a nice guy. Everybody loved him. My son loved him. Everybody loved him. But he is sick. There are people like that who are out there coaching who are hiding behind the veil of being a coach. And then you've got people. Unfortunately, the team dealt with this. The young lady who turned him in went into counseling with me for several months. And I have to tell you, of all the 40 years of counseling I've done with people, I don't think I've ever met somebody so brave as that young lady. She handled it, and her parents handled it great. So I'm sitting here as a sports psychologist, 40 years of experience, and I had to deal with this myself with with the team. We didn't know. No one knew. He was vetted. Nobody knew about it. But there are signs of coaches that do these types of things. 
And you as a parent need to be aware of that with your kids. A lot of signs are coach will identify kids at young ages. They're asked to trust the kids' expertise and relinquish control. Relinquish control of your child to the coach. That's the first sign right there. Parents are often told not to distract the athletes. They may be barred from the gym or the pool or the tennis court. When the child comes home, they may be depressed, frightened, or anxious. Parents are told you got to keep going. Hey, you got to do it. You know, youth sports requires a tremendous amount of time, money, energy, traveling, everything. There are a lot of signs like this. You'll see other parents in the same situation, okay, but they give in because they don't want to cause a problem. And then parents are told to be quiet. Don't say anything because you could script your child's chance of playing. This show today is about this issue, and I want to hear from you. If you're a coach and you have seen abuse before, verbal abuse, physical abuse, have you turned that person in? Will you turn that person in? I had a client in my office a couple days ago. We talked about a basketball coach, a girls basketball coach, who was fired for potentially sexual activity that wasn't disclosed or found out to have happened. And then he got hired by another school. So what are we doing about this? If you're a coach, I'd like to hear from you. If you're a parent, I'd like to hear from you. If you're an athlete, and this has happened to you, but you were too scared to say anything, I want to hear from you. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. 
Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810, WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week bringing up topics about sports psychology, about the mental side of sports, about life. And today's show is in response to the situation with the former coach, John Getter of USA Gymnastics, who committed suicide this past week after being accused of 24 felonies in the state of Michigan. You know, I've been on the radio for 30 years here in the Kansas City era. Our show the last several years is now being rebroadcast around the country. Our shows are podcasted everywhere I get emails and calls from people all the time now all over the place Europe Australia South America I've had calls emails from people who listen to the podcast of this show why does a parent trust a coach to the point that verbal abuse starts to occur and you don't do anything about it is it because of the goal of having your child getting a scholarship, winning, beating other people? How could this guy, John Getter, 63 years old, coach for all these years, coach all these young ladies, and I'm trying next week to get one of his gymnasts on this show. How could he do what he did to so many young women young girls, and nobody said anything about it. Nobody did anything about it. I'm going to tell you in one word why. The word is winning. 
or we could say results. There's a coach in this area here, a gymnastics coach in the Kansas City area, who's had two girls die who he's coached, one from anorexia and one from doing a vault where she broke her neck and ended up dying. That's fact. Not going to say his name, not going to mention it, but he's still coaching. Okay, accidents happen. We get it. Gymnastics is a very dangerous sport. Girls, boys, whoever it is, put their bodies in positions they're not supposed to be in for the normal person. I've worked with gymnasts and figure skaters forever. But the abuse that goes on is hidden. It's hidden, and it's, it's, here's why it happens, in my opinion. Fear. Fear of saying anything. Fear of turning someone in. Fear of hurting your chances to play. If you're a parent and there is a sign that there has been some kind of verbal or physical abuse with your child, you should take that child out of that team, off that team, off that club immediately. But a lot of people say, oh, come on, it's just building toughness. It's making my kid tough. They've got to get tough. It's okay for the coach to yell at them. They, they need to get tougher. Well, where is the point where mental abuse turns into physical abuse and turns into physical harm? With 10, 11, 12-year-old kids, snap of a finger, it can happen. If you're a parent and you enroll or sign up your child in a youth sports event program, or it could be in the muse, in a, in a theater, it can be the arts, it can be anything. You need to be on top of what's going on. Now, I know there are a lot of coaches out there who don't let parents come to practice. They want the parents to be gone because parents are distractions. And in a lot of scenarios, that is an issue. But if you have a coach that won't let you come to practice and won't let you observe from a distance, you know, in my opinion, I'm not sure I'd want my child, my 8, 9, 10-year-old at that practice. Now, if they're a teenager, that may be a little bit different because a teenager... 14, 15, 16 can start to think for themselves. Although still, you got to ask, why won't they let me be a practice? I mentioned years ago on this show, a high school basketball player, a high school junior male basketball player was a client of mine. At practice one day, they're working on a drill. He threw the ball to a spot where his teammate was supposed to go, the teammate went the opposite way, the ball went out of bounds. They huddle up, the next thing this young man knows, he is a high school junior, he's on the floor because he got hit in the back of the head by a ball. Really hard. Thrown by the assistant coach. Knocked him down. And the assistant coach was screaming and yelling at him about throwing a bad pass. Well, it ended up, his teammate said, Coach, I went the wrong way. But this guy thought it was okay to throw a ball and hit this kid in the back of his head and knock him down. The next day, or they called me that night. The young man's parents called me that night. They came in the next day. And I will tell you, the father was furious. Guess what? That guy's still coaching. That young man transferred Went from a Kansas school to a Missouri school where he could play because of the 
transfer rules didn't exist in terms of making him sit out. They moved across state, the state line, so he could play basketball. He went on to play in college. That guy's still coaching. Okay, what would you do if your child is physically or emotionally harmed by a coach? Do you sit there and say it's building toughness, it's making them better? How did John Geddert coach all these years, all these young girls, and nobody said anything? Fear. They were afraid to stand up and speak up because it's going to affect where they stood on the team, affect the possibility of getting a scholarship, affect the possibility of making a national team or an Olympic team. Verbal abuse is unacceptable, just like physical abuse is. Now, some people say, come on, doctor. I had a guy call a few, and Blake, my producer, remember this? We had a guy call a few a few weeks ago. Said I was teaching, you know, talking about teaching kids to be wimps. That wasn't the word he used. Okay? When I was talking about learning how to fail. Remember that, Blake? I do. Okay. You're going to fail in sports. You're going to screw up. But as a coach, what's your job? To teach, to guide, to direct. You need to be a disciplinarian. You need to be a friend. You need to be somebody who's there. Mental health is more important today, at least in the public, than it's ever been. It's always been important. But people haven't wanted to talk. Oh, come on, Doc. Athletes aren't wimps. Come on, they need to be tough. Let me tell you something. I've worked with professional athletes in football, baseball, soccer, hockey, and basketball. I've worked with Olympic athletes. I was the Olympic cycling team psychologist, the Cycling Federation for eight years. Went to three world championships and the Olympics. I've seen abuse, and I've confronted it before. It is an issue we need to address. And a lot of people are scared to speak up because they don't want to jeopardize their child's role or place on the team. And I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach, if you're a parent, you're an athlete. And this has happened to you before. How'd you handle it? I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist... With 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. (laughs) 
Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by End Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy. Your football buddy. Or you, your best man. Your worst man. You, your dog walker. Your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm here every week talking about the mental side of sports. And today I'm talking about something that I think is maybe as important as anything we've ever talked about. It's about abuse. Verbal, physical, emotional, mental abuse with athletes in light of Former USA Gymnastics coach John Gettert committing suicide this week after being charged with 24, 24 felonies. This guy's a sick man. Harmed dozens and dozens of young ladies. He was in conjunction with Larry Nasser, the, the messed up doctor who sexually abused all those young girls. Why don't people speak up? Fear. Fear of speaking up. Fear of saying things. It's a problem. I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach, if you're an athlete, if you're a parent, 
and you've heard of any type of abuse, verbal, physical abuse from a coach before, what did you do? What did you say? Or did you do nothing? Let's go to our first call this morning. Joe, good morning. How are you? I'm well, Dr. Jacobs. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome, well, sir. I, I was, you just struck a chord with me about the gentleman who called up and said you're you know, making wimps out of these athletes. Uh, you and I have spoke before. I, I was I was a boy. I broke my neck playing football with a quadriplegic. Fortunately, I had a, a pretty good recovery. But I had a family that for 12 years told me to suck it up and get over it and move on and let it go. And I wasn't even allowed to talk about it at home. And it nearly destroyed me emotionally. I mean, by the time I was in college, I was so depressed. And I covered my depression with anger because I didn't know how to do any other thing. I was angry all the time. And it drove me to smoking marijuana and turned to drugs for a while just because I wanted to feel anything differently. And I'm not saying everybody's going to do this, but I guess I just wanted to add to what you're saying and that mental, mental health is so important. Uh, I speak to athletes myself sometimes about you know, not being afraid to ask for help. Uh, you know, asking for help is a sign of strength. It takes a lot of courage to admit that you need help. And I encourage anybody out there that is struggling to go to their parents, to go to their coach if they can, if they have that opportunity, because Obviously, with the topic today, sometimes they don't. But to find the appropriate person that can help them and ask for it, because it can definitely make a big difference. How have you moved on, Joe? How have you? First of all, I want to thank you for calling and sharing that with us. And, and you've got a lot of guts to come on the radio and share it, but I appreciate that. How have you sure. moved on? Well, it took a long time. I mean, I eventually, after I got out of college, I moved to Vail. And it was in, out in Vail, Colorado, where I helped life wasn't so bad. I was able to ski 200 and some days in two years, and I figured out that I had other dreams than being an athlete, and that I, that was okay. Uh, what would you say, let me, let me let me ask you a question. Sure. What would you say, you say you, you've spe- given speeches about this before. Uh, absolutely. What would you say to a parent who will will come up after maybe a talk or something and say, you know, my son or daughter, they've got aspirations to, you know, play collegiately or maybe make the Olympic team, but, you know, they've got to toughen up. They're they're not strong mentally. You know, they've got to they've got to work harder. Their coach is pushing them really hard, and they come home. They're upset at night, but I tell them you've got to get tough. What would you say to a parent about that? Well, I would say, look, I'd say you need to, you know, you need to sit down and talk to your kid, and not, it's not just about being tough. It's about understanding why they're feeling that way, and ask them what it is. Is this, you know, is this what they really want to do? And try to dig in and find out what their kids want, and really engage with them because there's more to it than just being tough. Um, the parents need to do a lot more education and and what's going on, uh, and and understanding the signs. You know, does their kid, you know, I would also ask, you know, has their behavior changed? You know, do they stay in the room a lot more? I mean, are they sullen? I mean, just look for things. Uh, for me, it's just not about being tough anymore. I've, I've grown out of that. I've realized that there's so much more to life than just being an athlete. Is fear, in your opinion, because I've, I've been mentioning that word several times today. Sure. Dealing with fear. Okay, as a, you know, you're you're an athlete. You fear your coach. 
You know, you don't want your coach to get angry at you. So you're going to do whatever your coach asks you to do sometimes because you don't want to lose playing time. You want to be on the. You want to make varsity. I had a young lady in, in my office yesterday, who's a high school freshman soccer player, very very good soccer player. She's trying out now for her high school team, and we talked about it. And she said, "You know, Doctor Jacobs, I want to pl- make varsity, but if I make JV and I get to play a lot, I'll be happy. I just want to be able to play." She's got a good perspective. Of course, she's been working with me for a while. But the right. fact of the matter is, and she's got good parents, even though they're divorced, they both are on the same page in terms of their daughter. Have fun, get better, enjoy it. The day you stop enjoying it, the day you start to find your coach is getting angry at you or mad at you because you're not playing the way they want you to play, we need to talk about where you're at and you need to decide if you want to continue. I agree. Absolutely. Fear is a big factor, especially when there's so much at stake, but I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I just think that we need to reevaluate the way we handle our kids nowadays. It's not all about winning. It's not, you know, I mean, like, yes, Lombardi said, win, I, think, I can't remember the famous quote. Winning you know, is everything. Uh, winning is everything. Thank you. But it's not. It's really not. Maybe on the professional level, yes, but it's not everything on the high school level. But let me, but let me, let me tell you, I work, with, I work with a lot of professional athletes. A lot of NFL players. And our goal is, what do you have to do to play your best today? Okay? I work with kickers. I work with quarterbacks. I work with offensive, defensive linemen. I work with wide receivers. I work with almost everybody. The goal is, how can you play your best today? And if you play your best, you give the team the best chance to win. I have, I've had a, a, an individual on this show before, an NFL player. I've had, I've had a lot of NFL players on this show who shared one time how he ended up getting a concussion on a play, didn't know he had a concussion, came off the field, and he was dazed, and his coach, offensive line coach, was screaming at him, yelling at him, and he didn't know what was going on. The trainer realized it, took him in and got him evaluated, realized he had a concussion, he was out. After the game, that coach came over to him and gave him a hug and said, I am sorry, I did not know you you were concussed. I thought you were, like, blowing me off. I was wrong to do that. Now, that's called coaching, right? That's called coaching. He admitted, you know, he was wrong. He didn't know. Okay. But here's the deal. Fear, Joe, and and I'll I'll throw this out at you and then we'll let you go here. How did you overcome fear? You know, it was, that's a great question. It was just more that as I physically, I got better, I, I, reached goals physically as I kept pushing myself and pushing myself. So I gained some confidence in the fact that when people told me I couldn't do certain things and I was able to do it anyways. So that pushed me to believe in myself more. I mean, then it realized, cause it was very scary for me to move to go to Vail, Colorado after being a full blown quadriplegic and to go out there and try to be a ski bum. But I knew that, if I, I would never able to live the life that I wanted if I allowed this to win. So really, ultimate for me, it was just believing in myself and knowing that I could still do it. Well, listen, sir, thank you so much for calling and sharing your story with us. I, I admire you immensely for that. And stay well and stay safe and, and keep sharing that message, okay, because people need to hear it. Thank you for what you do as well. It's, you do a great show. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. You have a great day. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm talking today about abuse, mental health in sports, in light of 
the gymnastics coach, John Getter, who killed himself after being charged with 24 felonies. Gymnastics coach coached the Olympic team. If you're a parent, how do you recognize that your child is being abused? Or are you afraid to confront a coach because, oh, well, it's going to make them tougher. They need to win. They need to get that scholarship. They need to make the team. If you're a coach and you've seen another coach, maybe it's your assistant or head coach on your team, verbally berating kids, do you say anything or are you scared to do it? Fear. That's what this is about. Speaking up. Mental health has always been important. But now it's being talked about, and I'm talking about it on this show. I'm a sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs, one of the few shows where you confront this stuff every day. I'm a sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? 
Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everyone. The topic we're talking about is not funny. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm talking about abuse. Verbal, physical, mental abuse by coaches in light of USA Gymnastics coach John Getter being charged with 24 felonies and then killing himself this past week. Well, the guy was strong enough in his mind to abuse all these girls, but he wasn't strong enough to face the music himself, so he took his life. We're working on trying to get one of his former gymnasts on the show next week to talk about what happened and how. You know, I've been on the radio for 30 years. I've been in practice for 40 years. I've dealt with coaches who have been abusive. I was on a team once where a coach got abusive and I quit the team because the coach was being abusive towards female athletes. I wouldn't deal with it anymore. I went to head of the organization and reported it, but you know, they're like, well, yeah, but he's still pretty good. I, it, it was a problem. I shared at the beginning of this show how my son Gregory's coach, swim coach, we found out, had sex with a girl on the team and tried to have sex with another girl who was brave enough to turn him in. Mental health is talked about now more than it ever has been. In the past, it's like, oh, come on. Athletes, athletes aren't wimps. Come on, man. They got to be tough. You got to toughen them up. Well, young kids don't need to be tough. They need to have fun when they're playing a sport. Yeah, they need to learn about winning and losing, success and failure, all these types of things. But it should be about enjoying the experience. And yeah, you got to push yourself. Physical pain. You know, I, I ran races for years. I ran over almost 100 races. Running a half marathon, I remembered there's a racer in Kansas City called the Hospital Half Marathon, and the last two and a half miles is up a hill. It wasn't easy. You had to push yourself. But that's different than when you have a coach screaming and yelling at you, calling you names, bullying you. If you are a parent, it is important, in my opinion, when you sign your son or daughter up for a team, that you find out about the organization, the school where they're playing, and find out what kind of vetting was done on that coach, what their reputation is like, and where you want to go from there. It comes down to this. As a parent, you have a responsibility with your child to not let the coach run their life because you're the parent. Now, you need, yes, you want to trust your coach. You want to give them the freedom to coach them, but with parameters. This guy killed himself because he couldn't face the music for what he'd done. Well, all these girls that he coached over these years, 24 counts of this stuff. No one turned him in. Why? Because he had an iron hand, an iron fist, controlled him. It's about control and it's about fear. The young man I mentioned, the high school basketball player, who got drilled in the back of the head by a ball by the assistant coach because he threw the ball 
where it was supposed to go, but the guy was throwing it to ran the wrong way. They confronted the school and the coach had left. It's like my son, the father came in the next day, the parents came in the next day with that young man. We're not putting up with this. He's out of there. He'd been verbally abusive, but now when the physical, when getting drilled in the back of the head by a ball, mental health, depression, anxiety, stress affect everybody. Personality disorders are out there with people. Why does a coach coach? You know, and 99% of people who coach are wonderful, great people, but there's a percent of them that aren't. You know, you have a lot of college basketball coaches who've been pretty, pretty hard on their players. And some haven't survived. And there are a lot of coaches who are really hard on their players, but at the end of practice, the, the player knows they're pushing me to get better, and the player tells them, hey, talk about it. Let's discuss it. If I'm pushing you too hard, let me know. I'll ease off. I want you to understand where I come from. See, here's what it comes down to two things, communication and listening. Okay? What are the goals why your child is playing that sport? To have fun, to get better, to learn skills, or to win, make the, the next level team, the next level team, get a scholarship, play professionally, be an Olympian. You know, how many, how many kids are in gymnastics right now who make an Olympic team? Less than a dozen. Young girls, gymnastics, figure skating, diving, swimming. There's abuse, that, 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 that it's across the board. USA Swimming has a history of it. They're dealing with it. Figure skating has a history of it. They're dealing with it. Gymnastics has been exposed big time for the problems. I've worked with a number of gymnastics coaches who are wonderful people. I've had some on this show. They care about their athletes. Do they like, when you're a gymnast, a a figure skater, you got to push yourself. But there's a point, and here's the thing. The point where a good coach becomes a great coach is when they take the time to listen and talk and understand their athletes. What is the athlete's goal? Why are they here? What is the parent's goal? Why are they here? They don't shut off the parents from communication. They have an open channel of communication. There are parameters with all that. They don't have parents call them every day about stuff. You have to have limits with that. But if there's a problem, you have to talk about it. And why don't we talk about it in sports? Because we want to toughen our kids up. We want to make them stronger. They need to win. They need to make the next level. If you're a coach, you're a parent, you're an athlete, and you've dealt with abuse before, physical or emotional, verbal, psychological, from a coach, from a teammate, what did you do? I've got a young man I'm working with right now. His parents are teachers. He is a high school baseball player. And I really like this young man because he's got some guts. His dad happens to be his high school baseball coach. He got picked on by some people because, oh, you only made the team because your dad's the coach. He talked to these kids face-to-face. 
You really think that? Come out and watch practice. If I'm not good enough to play, my dad's not going to play me. But he's also talked about on his club summer team, a young man on the team who gets angry at other kids when they make an error or strike out or do something wrong, and he'll talk in a degrading fashion towards these kids. But when he makes a mistake, oh, you know, it's because I'm a tough guy. I was trying. So this past summer, this young man, we had our session and said, Doc, I got to talk about what what so-and-so did this week. It's really ticking me off. He goes, we've got a kid on the team who doesn't play much. He's a great kid. And he got to play the other day. He made an error. The end of the game, the other team scored and they won. And this, this guy, this kid, started cussing him out and yelling at him. These are, these are 15-year-old kids. And I said, well, what'd you do? He goes, you know what? I pulled the young man aside. He was yelling at Gave him a hug and said, hey, you know what? We all make mistakes. Don't worry about it. The coach came over and said the same thing to him. He goes, and then I went up to this guy and I said, we need to talk, the guy that was being abusive. And I said, look, you got to cut it out, man. He goes, why'd you yell at him? He goes, well, he screwed up. He cost us the game. He goes, you know what? He didn't cost us the game. You struck out in the first inning when there's a guy on third. Maybe you cost us the game. But I didn't say anything to you about that. Why don't you look in the mirror and stop being negative and abusive to other, other guys, verbally abusive, and why don't you just take care of yourself? Because we don't need that on this team. And this other kid looked at him and said, nobody's ever said that to me before. Thanks. You know why? People were scared of him, but this young man wasn't. Communicate and listen. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I hope you enjoy the show. The show is podcasted all over on Apple iTunes, all over the place. Encourage people to listen to these podcasts. If you know someone who's a victim of verbal or emotional abuse and they're an athlete, have them listen to this. Get them to speak up. Get them to talk. Get them to communicate. If you are a parent, do not be afraid to speak if there's a problem. Listen to your kids. Ask them questions and talk to your coaches. My website's winnersunlimited.com. Our shows are podcasted everywhere, as I said. Go to Apple iTunes. You can find it everywhere. Speak up, communicate, talk. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Have a great week. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio.
Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by End Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council.